church, God is good. All the time. And all the time. Hey, Tommy, what happens on Tuesday? Men. Men. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, I'm not. <laughs> all right, so would you please rise if you can. So our, our song clears the way for our bodies to worship. Our words point the way to our true God and to whom we owe everything. Make a joyful noise because he is near and he loves us to a fault. Glorify him with praise, song, and dance for he is our God. Jesus died so that we can come face to face with the Father and be raised to live with him forever. Amen. 
joy, my portion. He calls my name and I must go to walk with him in his perfect gardens. All of my afflictions fall away like chaff and my pain and suffering fade to nothingness. He takes me by the hand as we survey his handiwork and I reel with the joy of his goodness and love. Thank you Lord for loving me and taking me home. 
God's name was Andy. Yeah, I know. Everybody everybody knows that joke. <laughs> so, would you please read the, uh, the two verses for the responsive reading with me, Lord? Okay. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. 
His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So, so how much better is wisdom than gold? We should strive every day to build and increase our lot as wisdom dictates. The Lord gives us the tools to live, prosper, prosper and shine forth as a, an example of goodness for all to see so that they may gain wisdom in God's service. God demands faithful service, not playing it safe or doing nothing. We must all be ready for the coming of Christ. What does God require? He requires us to believe in the one he sent. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And I've had some discussions recently with some people on that, you know, because uh, their feeling is that there's many ways, you know, to get to God. Now, there be, might be many roads that lead to the cross, but you have to come to the cross in faith and repentance. And then Jesus ushers the way to be right with God because he paid the penalty for our sin we can't he took the full wrath of God for your sin and mine so we, we, we can't lose that perspective going forward there's just too many voices out there that want to steer you the wrong way there's too many cults out there that want to steer you the wrong way and, and not to say our own culture because increasingly, day by day, our culture is trying to shove God out of the picture. And that will never happen. They can try, but it will never happen. And I assure you, God will have the last word. He will have the last word. So, as we come to prayer, uh, there's a couple of things uh, I really uh, feel led to pray for. I know that... Uh, uh, Gail Hahn wasn't feeling up to par, and you know that she's been battling illness, too. And um, so we, we need to, to pray for Gail. And, of course, my brother and, and Gloria. Uh, and also, I'm going to ask you to pray for the baptism this afternoon. When anybody takes a step of faith uh, to proclaim publicly that they've embraced Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, uh, God will try, uh, I'm sorry, Satan will try anything to stop that. Um, I know Pastor Fuji hasn't had a baptism in about four years up at Tonsbury Community, so he's got uh, probably about 10 or 11 people being baptized. Uh, and, but we've been fortunate. We've been having baptisms even right through COVID, so um, we've been fortunate with that. Uh, so if you can, come tonight, encourage Javier uh, because you know that Satan just doesn't want this to happen. Pray the thunderstorms away. Because <laughs> uh, we don't want it to be an electrifying experience, right? <laughs> so. Um, and then, you know, as we, as we go forward as a church, uh, you know, I know my prayer has been, and I ask you to share in it, that God bring revival back to his church. So let's go to prayer. Father, uh, 
we thank you that we can come here after, in some cases, a very trying week, in some cases, a, a week of discouragement, in some cases, uh, a week of nothing happening. But we need you. We thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ, for what he did for us on the cross. Help us never to take for granted that he went in my place on the cross to pay my sin and my penalty. And so, Father, by faith and, and trust in him, we are ushered as righteous into the presence of God. Only Jesus could do that for us. And so, Father, we have some uh, people who uh, need prayer uh, for health reasons. We think of Gail Hahn, that we continue to lift her up, uh, that she might uh, feel well enough to come and be with us soon. Um, we, we lift up BJ, uh, and uh, she's been going through some uh, medical procedures, Father, and we, we just ask that they're successful, and, and we'll, we'll, she'll be back soon. And Father, uh, also uh, my brother, uh, Father, we know that uh, he's in critical condition, but we pray for him. We pray for a miracle. We also pray for his wife, Gloria. We pray that you put your arms around her and just uh, comfort her. And Father, I take great comfort in the fact that they both have embraced Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Father, I want to pray for the American church. We really do need revival, a genuine revival, not the type of revival that comes from putting shows on or, or gimmicks or anything like that, but a spirit-led revival where people are hungering for Jesus. People are hungering for the word, and people want to follow Christ by faith. And so, Father, in that vein, we pray for Javier as uh, he will undergo the waters of baptism tonight. Pray that uh, everything honors you and that the weather will cooperate. And, Father, that it will be a time uh, that we can celebrate a young man being bold enough to stand for his faith. And, Father, we'll give you all the glory, and we pray in Jesus' name. All God's people said? Amen. Very good. Very good. Um, I'm going to ask if we can get a couple of guys for the uh, offering. And uh, okay, you got it? That's fine. I had Frank, but that's fine. <laughs> it's all good. That's all right. You, you're good. <laughs> okay. It's a popular job. Everybody wants it, right? Jumping right in there. Uh, no, no. Um, as uh, we wait upon you for tithes and offerings, uh, we're going to uh, be in Ecclesiastes this morning. Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 7. Here we go. You know, God always has perfect timing. And um, let me just say, uh, I started working on this passage last Sunday afternoon uh, after we had our joint service up in uh, Tom's River. 
uh, in the first reading of this passage, I've read through Ecclesiastes before, and if you read it in the wrong framework, it could become very depressing, okay? And I'm, I'm reading this passage, it's only six verses, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm reading and I'm saying, I think Solomon lost his mind. It's very hard to exegete this only because I had to go back and look at the entire book and say, okay, what's the message of the entire book, right? So here's the, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the answer before I even start the message, okay? The answer is this, that we have two choices when we come across adversity. Isn't that true? Doesn't matter what the adversity is, but we have two choices when we come across adversity. Either we try to escape it, and sometimes when we try to escape it, we do it in a way that dishonors God. Or we face it with God by faith and remain obedient to him as he walks us through it. And if we do that, we will receive from God godly wisdom. You remember what James says in his book? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him what? Ask of God, and he will gladly give it to you. But you have to put that in the context of James, consider it all joy when what? Trials come. Wow. You mean we should be rejoicing? Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't mean you have to be happy about it. Okay? We don't want a bunch of plastic people going around saying, I'm a Christian and it's all okay. It's not all okay. You feel what you feel. And in, if you remember in the beginning of Ecclesiastes, uh, Solomon sold, uh, stole the words of the bird song, turn, turn, turn. Now it was the opposite way around. And, uh, you know, there, there's a time for laughing. There's a time for crying. There's a time to be born and a time to die. And Solomon simply was saying, this is an observation of life. And so, has anybody here been exempt from going through difficult times? All right. I, I think we all, you know, have been there. If not, learn from today. Because there are, will be difficult times in all, all our lives. Let me give you some examples. All right. uh, of course, uh, the, loss to, the, lo the loss of a loved one through death, the loss of a job, uh, uh, a debilitating disease, a physical challenge, a divorce, and, and that's only a few. There's, there's many more that uh, happen in life. Uh, it, once I kind of figured out this passage as to what Solomon was getting at, I think there's some valuable insights that you and I can learn from it as we, whenever we face adversity, and we will, we all will. Listen, when we view life from above, that's from God's perspective, we'll be able to gain a godly wisdom even through adversity. If we choose to go through adversity without God, we will only be able to face uh, the adversity with the wisdom of the world. More and more today, I hear people trying to escape through drugs and alcohol. 
not a good solution. And unfortunately, many of those drugs now are laced with fentanyl and killing many of our people. Some people try to escape through partying. The only problem is when the hangover wears off, guess what's still there? The issue, right? Many people try to veg out before the TV. Well, when you turn the television off, it, it's still there. Solomon wants us to, to face this reality, but he doesn't want us to be without hope. What he is saying in these seven verses, he's looking at his observations of life without God. And once, once I understood that again, and I'm, I'm reading this passage, I'm saying, Solomon, you really didn't lose your mind. That, you, you know, through the Holy Spirit, you knew what you were doing. So let's, let's get into the passage, right? He says, a good name is better than what? Fine perfume. I don't know what the most expensive perfume is, but I'll tell you, I don't have enough money to pay for it. It's better than fine perfume. You know what that's saying? It's saying what you read before in Proverbs, a good reputation is important. A good name is important. Here's the problem we face in our culture. In our culture, somebody has a good name before God. The culture and Satan and his cronies will do everything possible to smear that name. Isn't that true? That's true. I mean, you get, you, you know, you, you get a good man or a good woman, uh, and they don't, they don't think the way the culture tells them to think. They're going to try their best to smear their name, even if it takes lies. And that's not, it's not the way it should be. And listen, the bottom line is, you know, I, I really don't care sometimes what other people think. It's what God thinks. That's why I had Chip read, um, it, when we meet God, here's what I want to hear. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Because he has the last word. All I know is the, is the day I put my trust in Christ as my Lord and Savior, my name was written in the book of life. So is yours. A bad name became a good name. It was bad because I didn't know God. And I was living in my own sin, right? But it became a good name because Jesus died for my name. For you. Better than fine perfume. Last year, I'll never forget this, uh, I was on Hooper Avenue, I was probably going to Brick Hospital, and um, uh, I stopped at a stoplight right near um, Olive Garden uh, on Hooper Avenue, one of my favorite places, by the way, yeah, Oak Street, yeah, and pulled up beside me was a, uh, a Ferrari. 
And there was a young man driving it. He still must have been in high school. You know, and he had the, he had the speakers blasting. I mean, this was a brand new car. You know, and it's like, hey, you know, look what I'm driving. I see people in Corvettes do the same thing, right? Hey, look what I'm driving. Well, listen, you know, the fact of the matter is cars get old. They break down. May not break down as much as mine, but they break down, right? But the car doesn't make your name. The only one that can make your name is Jesus Christ. I believe when we come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior, that he starts to change us from the inside out, if we allow him, through the Holy Spirit and the Word, so that when we're with other people, people will know there's something different, there's something that smells pretty good here, to the point where if you build a relationship with them, they may say to you, I want what you have. Well, his name is Jesus. Well, that was the easy part. Then I get into, and the day of death is better than the uh, day of birth. And I'm saying, okay, Solomon, where are you going with this? And it, it really is kind of simple. We all have a birthday, correct? And we all have an expiration date. We don't know what that is. Only God knows what that is. And I believe Solomon's making the point here that while we're on this earth, this is the time we have. And it's better to live it for the glory of God than to live it for any other reason. And it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what kind of work. It doesn't matter if you're retired. It doesn't matter if you're a domestic engineer. Was that politically correct? It doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't matter. As, lo as long as you love Jesus Christ and you, your purpose is to glorify him in everything you do, and that could even include changing diapers, then your living takes on new meaning. There is something about... Uh, in the Bible, numbering the days of our lives, right, in Psalms. Teach us, O Lord, to number the days of our lives. None of us here know when we're going to be called home, do we? All right? And Paul addresses this, by the way, in Thessalonians, because there were some people in the church that were getting lazy because... There was such an expectancy of the second coming of Christ, many of them quit work. Not a good thing. Many of them got lazy, especially when he came to church and, excuse me, in the gospel. And Paul says, now look, you're doing it all wrong. First of all, he says this, this is strong words. He says, if you can work and you choose not to work to support your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. Oh, and then he says to the uh, Christians in Thessalonia, you need to be ready for whenever Christ comes. 
you do, you need to be living as if he's coming back tomorrow or today or tomorrow maybe your last day on earth you know I don't want to be morbid but that's the reality that's the reality sometimes there's nothing wrong with planning I'm a big fan in planning okay but I think sometimes we get so carried away we, we make our plans and we say Lord would you put your blessing on this and he's laughing you know and he's saying no no I, I have some other plans for you are you going to be flexible here uh, oh no no Lord we got to have it this way well we don't write the script he does and that's tough for us that's tough for us. We got to say, listen, plan. You know, we're planning for Lacey Day. We're planning for a lot of outreaches. We got an outreach we're doing during, during Christmas. And, and, all, and we're planning for the Christmas holidays already, for the musical and that type of thing. And there's nothing wrong with planning. But sometimes God has other purposes for us. We need to be open to that. He's the boss, we're not. He's God, we're not. Let's get a little deeper in here. He says, it's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. What's a house of mourning? Funeral home. That's what it is, a funeral home, right? It's better to go to a house of mourning than go to a house of feasting. And, you know, at this point, when I first read this, I was really tired. And uh, last Sunday was a very long day for a lot of reasons. But I'm scratching my head saying, Solomon, your thinking is upside down here, but it's not. Anytime you and I are confronted with going to a funeral for somebody we know or love, Guess what faces us? The thought of our own mortality. And though you don't want to go to a funeral every day, and, and that's not what Solomon's suggesting here, he's saying, look, when those adversities happen, you can learn from them. Learn that you, you know, your, your days are limited. Learn that you have to, you know, by faith and through the power of the Holy Spirit, live those days for the glory of God. You see, if you go to the house of feasting, it's usually a lot of food and drinking and dancing, but the only thing you learn from that is that alcohol can give you a hangover. Then he says, for death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. Don't tell anybody this. When I was young and stupid, now I'm old and stupid, but when I was young and stupid, um, I was a senior in high school and uh, I was invited, I was living up in Rutherford, uh, my hometown, and I was invited to come down here for a weekend. A, a police officer who I knew had a summer house down in Ocean Gate. Uh, great guy, great family. And um, I remember it was 4th of July weekend. My boss at home gave me off. And I started on the parkway about, I don't know, about 10 to 6 in the morning. And I got off the uh, Bayville exit <laughs> at 20 after 6. 
So what does that tell you? I wasn't obeying the, sp the speed limit. Um, I looked a couple of times and, and my, my speedometer was about 100. And, but I didn't give it two thoughts. I never thought about my own mortality. All I had to do was blow a tire on the parkway. Because I, they didn't have seatbelts. I had a 64 Plymouth Fury. Um, and, and they didn't have them. And well, all I know is this, I, you know, I worked on a rescue uh, ambulance squad uh, also up in North Jersey, that whenever a car hits a tree or a pole, the tree and the pole always win. And all it would take was a blown tire or somebody cutting me off or whatever, and I would have been dead. I ne it never crossed my mind. Because when I'm that young, I think I'm infallible, right? You know, nothing can touch us. Well, no, that's not true. It's not true. Death is the destiny of everyone, and the living should take this to heart. Now, let me be very clear here. When it talks about death, that means when God calls us home. God. He gives life, and he takes life away. We shouldn't be playing God when it comes to lives. Let's continue. <laughs> Listen to this one. Frustration is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. And I, I say, okay, Solomon, you're really off the deep end here. Uh, you know, what, what, what's going on? And what he's saying is, Frustration is better than laughter because when we encounter adversity, if we go through it God's way in obedience to God, we're going to come out better for it. Not only will we come out better for it, but we'll be able to come alongside of other people who are going through similar things. And just not with all the platitudes and all the, but just listen to them and understand them and help them walk through the situation they're going through. That means a lot. You know, my first, my first reaction to this was, Solomon, in Proverbs, you said laughter's good medicine. So, you know, is this a contradiction? No. Good, healthy humor is good. There's nothing wrong with it. What Solomon is saying here, though, there are times we're going to be frustrated in life. Anybody here never frustrated? All you have to do is try to call a company, and you'll get frustrated, right? Uh, when, when frustration comes for whatever situation, it causes us to look in ourselves. I, I'll give you an example. Uh, how we respond in uh, in disappointment or frustration or when we don't get our way will tell a lot about our, our spiritual maturity. It really will. There's a, a person I know, he's in Christian work, and he's going to probably watch this video so he'll know who he is. Uh, nobody you know. Well, some of you might, but nobody you know. He was having a problem with his computer. So he called the help desk. And by the time he got through, right, 
explained the problem, and and this person he was speaking to put him on hold. So the person comes back again, right, and says, have you tried this, this, and this, and this? And my friend said, yeah, I tried, I tried this all. Well, let me put you on hold again. Now, this is, from the start of the call to this point, was probably almost an hour and a half, okay? While he's on hold, he says to his wife, this guy's an idiot. This true story. So the guy comes back on the phone and says, sir, I can hear you. <laughs> so he ended up apologizing. He said, I was just frustrated. I was just frustrated. How we handle the adversity uh, in life, and I'm not saying to be fake about it, I'm not saying, you know, how we handle it will, will show people and ourselves how we can honor God. And I think we miss that sometimes, right? I mean, look at all the road rage, nonsense. It, 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 you know, uh, killing people for no reason at all because maybe you cut them off or, or something like that. This is all nonsense. Look at verse 4. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. That is, when you're faced with your own mortality, it causes us to examine our own lives, doesn't it? Am I living for the Lord? What if he calls me home tomorrow? Am I ready? Will I hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant? And he follows this up with, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. I don't know how else to say this. There was a local bar in town. They're no longer in business. And I mean, there were fights there every night, stabbings, all sorts of stuff going on in this house of pleasure. It was anything but. But that didn't stop people from going. It's amazing to me, right? The heart of fools is in a house of pleasure. Now listen, you think this is what he said before was unpleasant? This is even a little bit more unpleasant. It's better to heed the rebuke of a wise person than to listen to the song of fools. If you have a good godly friend and they come alongside of you and, and they say, can we talk? I'm seeing something here that's not, not good. He's saying, listen. Not only should you listen, but you should consider what they're saying. You can tell when somebody's coming up to you to, you know, uh, with, with a right heart um, who, who really has your best interest and the, and the difference between a person who just wants to get your goat, Right? Listen to what they say. Is there any truth to it? I've learned from a lot of wise people over the years, and I'm still not finished. You can too. Good, godly people. And you know what's, what's, what's great about this? 
is because sometimes when we face life's adversity, and there are some things for which there are no answer, correct? We, we, don't, we just don't know why it's happening. We, we don't know the, the answer. Only God knows. But even that person, wise, uh, in that situation, a wise person can come alongside of us and say, you know what? This stinks. And I don't know why it's happening. I'd rather a person would say that. And that's what Solomon is saying here. What do you do if somebody comes up and rebukes you or tries to correct you, and you know this person uh, doesn't have your best interest at heart? My suggestion is simple. Listen to it anyhow. Don't get defensive, okay? You're going to tell if, if this person uh, is telling you this because he wants to make him or herself look good uh, or he has some other motive. I would say this, listen to what this person says and step back and say, well, is there any truth in it? If there's no truth, then dismiss it. Don't be defensive. I challenge you one, to find me one place in scripture where Jesus got defensive when people tried to rebuke him. Never. All he did was speak to truth and love. That's all he did. Let's go to the last verse here. Like the crackling of thorns under the pot, so is the laughter of the fool. What happens to the fire under the pot if you don't keep feeding it? It goes out, right? It goes out. They didn't have like gas stoves or electric stoves like we have today, right? And he's saying, look, this too is meaningless. And in these six verses, all Solomon is saying is live for God. Live for God. Find your purpose in God through Christ. And in everything you do in word or deed, glorify him. Honor him. And when we're faced with our own mortality, we need to say to God, okay, Lord, what are you trying to teach me now? I remember a couple of times, <coughs> I'll give you this one instance. Uh, right after my son was born, Mary Lou had some problems with the pregnancy. My son had problems, but when, when they got discharged from the hospital, uh, I went to pick them up. This was at Old Point Pleasant Hospital. How many of you remember that, right? To get to Old Point Pleasant Hospital from uh, the uh, apartment we lived in, I had to go around the Laurelton Circle. How many of you remember the Laurelton Circle, okay? <coughs> so here I go, I go pick them up. I was in a Ford Pinto. Well, I, I'm at the Laurelton Circle, stopped, trying to merge into traffic, and we get hit from behind. And I close my eyes waiting for the explosion. Because if you remember, Pintos had plastic gas ca uh, tanks, and it, on impact, they would explode. But God was watching us, right? And I'm saying, 
And I didn't know the Lord back then, right? Joey was newborn. We didn't come to know the Lord until he was 18 months old. Uh, and I'm, I'm saying, we could all died. That was a sobering experience. We could have all died, especially in a Pinto. I don't want to go in a Pinto, you know? It's, it's, it's not, not a good way to go. Listen, every day is precious. Every day is a gift of, the, of God. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, even in adversity. You and I can face adversity together, we can, but most importantly, we need to face it with God through Jesus Christ. We need to stay in his word. We need to be praying people. We need to be real people. When we hurt, we hurt. But do what David did in the Psalms. Anytime he hurt, he went to God, right? Never hid it. Lord, why is this happening? I'm following you and people are out to kill me. What's going on here? And by the time David said his peace, by the end of the psalm, he was worshiping God. So why don't we worship God? Kristen, Chip, Sharon. As they come up and we get ready, I want to thank our guests for coming. It's good to, to see you here. And uh, I chose this song purposely, not to give Kristen a hard time, but to, uh, I, I, chose, I chose it purposely. And the name of the song is Every Day. Every Day. Every Day, it's you I stand for. Would you rise, please?
as we dismiss, uh, have a great day. Live it for the Lord. Have some relaxing time. And just remember how much God loves you. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word and the reality of your word. And thank you for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved us enough to die for us on the cross of Calvary, to pay the full penalty of our sin, so that by faith we may have new life, new purpose. And so, Father, we thank you. Holy Spirit, dismiss us in your power. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. God bless. Have a great week.